Welcome back to another episode of the Binge Eating Dietitian podcast. My name is Jo. I am a registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counsellor, and I'm here to smash the taboo of binge eating. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you're having a good day so far. Today's episode is not top tips. It's not my best advice for you. Today, I want to raise awareness about a taboo subject relating to binge eating, and that is eating disorders in healthcare professionals. I'm speaking about this because I know that a lot of healthcare professionals struggle with their relationship with food, but are afraid to talk about it, maybe even with anybody. So I want to just be that voice, say the things out loud that I know you are thinking, and even if you're not a healthcare professional, I'm sure that you know somebody in your life who is. Um, this episode has lots of data and research, so I think you'll enjoy it. So stick with me until the end. Just my normal disclaimer before I get started, please don't take any healthcare advice from a podcast. This really is just for education and entertainment purposes only, and always seek the advice from your individual GP or nurse. All right, let's get cracking. So in this episode, I'm going to delve into eating disorders and disordered eating in dietitians, doctors, and nurses. But if you or your loved one is a healthcare profession in a different discipline, then I think a lot of this is going to be relevant to them and to you too. Starting with dietitians, and this is obviously the group that I know best, and I'm going to draw on a little bit of my personal experience to begin with. Right back in the first episode of this podcast, I briefly touched on how when I first graduated as a dietitian when I was 22, that was the time that I developed binge eating. I felt like a mess. I felt it was all my fault. I couldn't get to grips with how I have just studied dietetics and nutrition for four years and yet I still can't feed myself without ending up in a binge. So there was a lot of self-hatred at the time. What I didn't realize though, and I only know this now through the beauty of hindsight and through some research, firstly, that age is really significant. I'm quoting from research, being a young adult increases the risk for developing eating disorders due to the transitional nature of this phase of life in terms of relationships, self-concept and goals for the future. And looking at that statement now, it makes so much sense to me. I was very quickly transitioned from being a full-time student, living the dream, into working in a very responsible job in the Irish healthcare system on a full-time basis. It was a big life change to go through. And even though it was a privilege to have a job, it's clear to me now how that big life change at such a tender age was a big impact of my development of binge eating. And a second realisation I've been able to make is, again, quoting from a research paper, the dietetics profession and society reinforce the relationship between appearance and credibility. Dietitians have reported feeling pressure to maintain a specific body weight to act as role models for their profession, clients and for professional advancement. Studies of dietitians have demonstrated that although dietitians usually are in bodies that are accepted by society and smaller bodies, several still have a degree of body dissatisfaction. In one study, 100% of 
participants who were dietitians reported that their current body weight differed from their ideal weight. And another study showed that dietitians had a desire to be up to 25% slimmer. Looking back now, again, with the beauty of hindsight, it makes so much sense to me why dietitians like myself are at a heightened risk of disordered eating and eating disorders. Just to share another personal quip with you. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I am a sweet, oversavory kind of gal. Of course, I do eat savory foods too. I eat them at every meal. But if I had to choose a preference and if I knew the world was ending tomorrow, I wouldn't be too fussed about having many savory things. I would definitely go for sweeter things. This is something that I harbored a lot of shame for for many years especially around that time that I was qualifying back when I was 22. I remember telling myself that, okay, when I qualify, I have to get it together and I have to give up sweet things because it's not okay for a dietitian to eat sweet foods as much as I did. And I thought that I'd be setting a bad example. And how could I tell my clients to give up sweets if I couldn't give them up myself? By the way, this was back when I was very weight focused and I believed that in order to be healthy that you couldn't eat sweets. Yeah, lots of disordered thoughts going on there. Well, you can't imagine how happy I was when I found out, again through research, that this is a well-documented trend. Again, from a research study, student dietitians struggle with learning nutrition and health information and the pressure of conforming or not being able to conform to the health ideas that they learn. Anytime I try to give up my beloved sweet things, it would always, and I mean 10 times out of 10, it would result in a binge pretty soon after. And I understand now that, of course, that happened. That's what happens when you restrict anything that you enjoy and you deprive yourself of pleasure. And I thought that I was a failure. I thought that I was bad at my job because I couldn't give up sweet things without it resulting in a binge. One of my biggest turning points was rejecting the theory that I had created that a good dietitian eats wholesome, clean food and they have this romanticized, idealistic world of treating food as medicine and treating their bodies like they are temples. I realized that being obsessed with healthy eating does not a good dietitian make because that obsession is disordered. And if our own eating habits are disordered, that's what we are going to pass on to our clients. I feel confident saying this now, but back then I really attributed how I ate with my credibility at my profession. So if you have experienced something similar, just know that it's not just you. It is the pressure that is put on us as healthcare professions. But let's move on from dietitians and look at another healthcare professional. How about doctors? I think it's an accepted rhetoric that doctors have it all figured out that they have the keys to living a long life and they have all the answers. But of course, this is not the case, especially when it comes to eating disorders. A recent meta-analysis, which by the way is a compilation of smaller studies and it tends to be pretty well-regarded research. So a recent meta-analysis studied 5,722 medical students in nine countries. And this meta-analysis found that 10.4% of the medical students were positive or at risk for an eating disorder. 
This is higher than what is reported in the general population, which is estimated to be about 5%. So the prevalence of eating disorders in the medical student population is about double that. I also came across this interesting personal account written by a doctor who previously had a diagnosis of anorexia nervosa. She writes that contributing factors to doctors denying their own eating disorder include high personal standards, a culture of always coping and concerns about letting colleagues and patients down. Remember way back in a previous episode, I spoke about how perfectionism is a cause for binge eating and eating disorders. Perfectionism is having unrealistically high standards for yourself. And it's really clear to see why doctors would be at a higher risk for eating disorders. Eating disorders are a coping mechanism. And although every occupation has some element of stress, I can only imagine that working really long hours, doing shift work and having human lives in your hands when you're working as a hospital doctor could really contribute to the onset of an eating disorder. But on the topic of doctors and dietitians and other healthcare professions, and specifically mean the allied health professions, so physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech and language therapists, dietitians and social workers. Let's go back into what it takes to enter into one of these degree programs. Again, all I know is my own experience and I know that this is going to be a different story if you live in the UK or the States or anywhere else in the world. All I know is my experience of doing my dietetics degree in Dublin in Ireland. As it stands, to study to be a dietitian in Ireland as an undergraduate, so when you just leave school, it is incredibly competitive. And this is the same for those other healthcare disciplines as well. You basically have to get full marks in your end of school exams to get into these programs. I myself didn't get anywhere near the grades that were required to enter into the dietetics program in Dublin. So I had to do my end of school exams again. And I had the privilege of being able to attend a school that is renowned for getting high grades to get into these really competitive third level programs. In Ireland, entry into undergraduate programs for the healthcare professions is solely based on how well you do in those end-of-year school exams. And unless something has changed since I started uni in 2010, there is no interview process so that the program directors can get to know you or a personal statement you have to write to make sure that you're a good fit for the program and for the profession. There's no screening for mental health diagnoses like eating disorders before entering into these programs. Something I have learned from my experience as a dietitian working in Ireland, UK and now living in the States is that being a perfectionist and having an ability to get high grades and eat a perfect diet doesn't necessarily mean that you will have strong interpersonal connections with your clients, which in my book is the most important thing when you are a healthcare professional. The next group I want to delve into are nurses. Wonderful, amazing nurses. We all know a nurse either in our own personal lives or we've received memorable care of a nurse at some point. In researching for this episode, I was looking for data about the rates of disordered eating and eating disorder in nurses. And I got distracted by the overwhelming amount of discussion and media articles and real research articles 
discussing how nurses are promoting poor health if they exist in bigger bodies. There have been many weight loss interventions that are specifically tailored towards nurses. And that means that nurses are recipients of weight stigma, just for the reason that weight loss interventions are often tailored specifically for them. Perhaps you're a nurse living in a larger body and you have no desire to change your body or you have dieted in the past, you have taken the weight loss interventions that your management has recommended and you lost a bit of weight and then regained it back plus more in the future, which by the way was not your fault. That's just how diets work. If you are a nurse living in a bigger body, it is most likely that you have experienced weight stigma and as if you don't have enough to be worried about. Nurses have incredibly stressful jobs and we know that some people develop an eating disorder solely as a way of dealing with stress. On top of that, nurses don't even get time to eat regular meals. A survey was done of nurses and doctors and it showed that Most, up to 80%, usually have one, maybe two meals a day, and about 75% choose to snack instead. So you have an incredibly stressful job, maybe work in a shift pattern, you don't even get time to eat regular meals if you want to, you are overtly and covertly experiencing weight stigma on a regular basis, I would not be one bit surprised if your relationship with food is not how you want it to be or if you do have a full-blown eating disorder. If you are a nurse, thank you so much for all that you do. And as I've said before, as a culture, as a collective nation, we have so much work to get to a place where nobody in a bigger body experiences weight stigma, especially not nurses, not our caregivers. Weight stigma certainly exists in healthcare, but when I think about weight stigma in healthcare, I think about the healthcare teams like doctors, nurses and healthcare professionals who have weight bias and exert weight discrimination on their patients in bigger bodies. What is never discussed though is how professionals in bigger bodies are treated by their own colleagues, by management and by their patients too. I'm coming to the end of the episode now. One thing I want to make really clear is that I do believe that we all go into health professions because we are caring people and our overarching goal is to make a difference in the lives of others. If you think your healthcare professional isn't a good fit for you, especially when it comes to treating an eating disorder, never be afraid to ask them about their experience with eating disorders themselves and if they believe that they are fully recovered from that. And never be afraid to shop around for another qualified healthcare professional who might may be able to serve you better. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I threw a lot of data, a lot of research at you today. If you'd like to read more about the studies that I quoted today, I will link them all in the show notes. If you like today's episode, please do let me know, especially if you are a healthcare professional. As I said at the beginning, I know how hard it is to speak up about having a disordered relationship with food. I would really love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at binge.eating.dietitian or you can email me at joe at antidietanswers.com. All right, I will see you in the next episode. 